You're listening to Great Scott, The Office Podcast. My name is Jay Ray, and with me is my very fancy, fancy desk mate, Jacob. I know. I've got like a blue screen now, which if you check out the YouTube, you'll be able to see. I'm still trying to figure it out. So if it looks terrible, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm using the fancy camera Jacob had me buy several years ago when we started this show for the first time in several weeks. So I probably look a smidge better too. Oh, way better. Oh, you don't yeah. look like you're coming out of like the abyss. I was always trying to pull off that whole X-Files smoky man thing, you know? Yeah, very... um very Lovecraft. That's it. Uh, so as usual, we got some two episodes. Is there any housekeeping that we need to cover first? Uh, just, you know, visit our website, uh, brokenjars.xyz. Visit our Patreon. Uh, we got a new patron this week or last week, so we appreciate them. Um, other than that, I think we're, we're pretty good. You know, Dresden Files kind of owns the patron, so if you could come and help us, like, dethrone some of those people, that'd be nice. Yeah, because, you know, they're talking about books. <laughs> books are for nerds. So let's talk about a canceled and possibly to be rebooted television program based off of another British television. I really hope they don't reboot it. I really I do. I yeah. hope it suck. Yeah, we haven't really talked about it a lot, but yeah, it's it's rough. Also, I don't know how much more of my life I could commit to this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just don't do it, NBC. Please. Yeah. All right, so we've got um, season seven, episode 16, Threat Level Midnight, written by BJ Novak and directed by Tucker Gates. So it just starts with the movie. Yeah, it's sort of like a cold open with the movie. And Michael's like dodging bullets from some delivery guy who's trying to kill him. There's yeah. spent shell casings flying, which is the only time you see it. So I wonder if like he put like extra money into like this one scene. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, what do we notice? So it's it's a better camera quality than like the film crew has, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's got he's shooting blanks with casings for sure. That would be so loud in that cramped place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, assuming they're. I mean, Grant, I don't know a ton about blanks and ammo and that kind of stuff, but if they're full gunpowder, I mean, guns and guns inside are so loud. Yeah, I mean, the hope, and of course, again, Michael is an amateur filmmaker, so he might not know, but it'd be nice if they just used a gun that just shot casings out. Right, which I don't know. Is that like a prop thing? Like, did he get, like hit somebody up at the you know local high school <laughs> to right. get a prop right. gun? But it's the only time we see it. I think. I, I think you're right. Uh, they do use. I'm trying to think. They they use guns later on during that ice racing scene. Oh, they use all sorts of guns. They use like machine guns yeah. and you know pistols and. <laughs> I but, did want to point out. I think this might be the only non. Like this may be the the assassin, quote unquote. This may be the only person in his movie who we've never seen before and speaks. Does that uh, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Because um, yeah, I, uh, I actually closed it down because uh, our our friend of the show, Greg, he sent us all sorts of emails with all sorts of trivia about this, so it might be in there. And I accidentally closed it down. <laughs> We're not ignoring you, Greg. Yeah, we love you, buddy. Uh, Just don't yeah, I mean, thoughts on the ants versus bugs life controversy <laughs> so he's got like so he this guy like shoots at him a bunch of times and misses from three feet which is something we see all the time in this movie that's right and uh so michael just unloads a couple of clips into him. it was like a he's dual wielding, right he's going to yeah, he's dual wielding he's yeah. like 
So he's got his thing and uh, he's like, clean up on aisle five, which is apparently uh, like his catchphrase. Yeah. Right. It's his, I'm too old for this ship. Right. Um, and so there's something like he talks about, it's like four years of shooting, three years of editing, two years of reshooting and something else that's finally done. Whoops. There was some audio. The Office Wikipedia apparently has ads on it. So thanks a lot, <laughs> Office Wikipedia. Well, I got to um, use Piehole, man. I know. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, actually, I, I feel like, and I'm trying to look for the numbers here, but like his reshoots were longer than his initial shoots. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... like four years or something. <laughs> Nuts. But... but he also had more going on, you know. He had Jan for a while. He had, you know, all the stuff going on at work. Michael's got a paper company, all that stuff. Um. That being said, with Jan, uh, and we'll we'll see it later on. But Holly is the only girlfriend of Michael's who doesn't make an appearance in the movie. She's watching it, so it makes sense. But it seems that his relationship with her didn't deem for reshoots. Uh, it also kind of depends uh, on when. Also, no he, Donna, but I guess that makes sense. There's no Donna. Uh, I mean, he was. I mean, I guess he really wasn't with Helene for too long, was he? But she shows up, right? Right. So I feel like she had like one more episode in her contract and they're like, all right, we're just going to shove you in here. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think we see her again. I don't think so. Yeah. Because uh, all the baby stuff is a lot of the baby drama stuff has happened now. Mm. So what ends up happening is Mike or Aaron pulls Michael in. So I guess he got like, I don't know if he brought in the, uh, the DVD or if he had it like sent off and made because right. you know him, he probably had like a hundred of them made because yeah. it's amazing. Right. At least right. at this point in the episode, which this is a weird episode because it's a really big Michael growth episode wrapped in hardcore fan service. That's right. Yeah. Usually it's like one or the other. It's like a story episode or it's like a, mm-hmm. I see what you did there kind of episode. Right. And you know, like in terms of fan service, this is one of the better ways I've seen it done. Yeah, better than that banker episode. Excuse well, me, I'm going all scurvy over here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, better than the banker episode, but that was just a clip show. But, you know, it's, it's something we all wanted to see, mm-hmm. at least some of it. Because I, mean, I remember when, like, this came out, this episode came out, and we're like, holy shit, it's Threat Level Midnight. Like... Like me and my friend were blowing each other's phones up. We're like, oh, dude, it's, it's finally happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it really could have been like the concept of Threat Level Midnight could have been a throwaway joke, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that we see that script in that one episode. And then obviously Scarn is a character that he brings up a couple times. But the fact that we get to mm-hmm. know that he's actually filmed a movie. Right. And it's sort of a, what is Mike, what does Michael do in his free time? <laughs> Right. Right. If you've ever done any video editing, you know that can take forever. Yeah. I mean, um, luckily, uh, a very well-known production company was behind it. Great Scott. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We do see Michael's, you know, he's got some editing chops or at least a computer that can do some editing. That's right. (laughs) Because like he did, he edited the movie. Uh, You know, there's there's a couple other things he does. Well, he, uh, he, I mean, even in season two, yeah, yeah, season two, we made two. that video for Faces um, of Scranton, right? And then, of course, you know, Lazy Scranton. Right, all of his employee uh, orientation films, yeah. So I do like that. And I do like how there's a lot of, like, good continuity, how, like, in the original Threat Level Midnight, because you know he rewrote it, obviously. Right, right. You know, he was 
date, like uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones was the secretary at his like PR or not PR, uh, PI firm. Right. And in this one, they're married, you know, Catherine Zeta-Skarn and he's got, in the movie, he's got all like pictures of her face cut out. And Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not too dissimilar from his own face on the uh, postcard sent to Carol. Right. And, you know, if you're going to go for, you know, a woman in Hollywood, Catherine, you could do worse than Catherine Zeta-Jones. I mean, yeah, I mean, this episode came out in 2011. Like, how relevant was Catherine Zeta-Jones in 2011? Well, I think more importantly, how relevant was she in 2004 when the first threat level midnight? Because that's when, like, the seed of it got started, right? So that's Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, I know she was still doing stuff. Uh, her... Like, I know The Terminal hadn't come out yet, which is, I love that movie, Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. What has she done recently? Uh, Chicago is 2002, High Fidelity. That's a movie we know Michael would have seen. American really? Sweethearts. Oh, yeah. That's a very Michael movie. Terminal was 2004, so I was wrong. I mean, here she was in some TV, but we're looking for 2004, you say. Oh, Ocean's yeah, Ocean's 12. Yeah, she was in Zorro, The Haunting. The Haunting. Uh, is The Haunting great? I feel like I feel it's great. Is it like, uh, great, like bad great like Hackers? You know, I, I haven't seen it in forever, but I did really enjoy it when I saw it way back in the day. Okay. so it's not You know we saw Entrapment because of Sean Connery. So. Oh, of course. And Mask, everyone saw Mask of Zorro. I mean, Entrapment is a good movie. I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Well, um, if you want to go see- to the Wayback Machine and... If you want to see uncomfortable close-ups of Catherine Jada Jones's butt in pre-yoga pants dipping below red pieces of yarn pretending they're lasers, Mm -hmm. this movie may fill that need. (laughs) So you're saying it was like every 16-year-old boy's fantasy in 2000 or 1999 whenever that movie came out? Well, and I don't know, 70-year-old's fantasy because they could all pretend to be Sean Connery. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So yeah, so she... uh, so she has switched over from the assistant to his now murdered wife, murdered by the arch nemesis of Golden Face. Right, which is, oh, was that man with the golden gun? Isn't that a Bond? Yeah. Like, yeah. It feels just like he was just trying to figure out something from a Bond movie and just sh- shove some words together. Yeah. So in the original reading, Oscar was uh, Golden Face, but it seems like sometime after that, Jim got right as golden face because apparently he got to talk with pam that's right uh and really they've only got the one scene together that well that we saw right well that's true because knowing michael this is like at least 90 minutes this is a long movie you know i could see it both ways because i could also see it being like what we saw like (laughs) like 20 minutes and he like put his heart and soul and years like half a decade of work into (laughs) essentially a a comedy show pilot you know (laughs) Yeah, and they, um, so the, so the, the basic thing is, is Golden Face is trying to blow up the NHL All-Star game. And Daryl, as the president, calls Michael Scorn out of retirement to go stop him. That's right. But Michael, of course, has to do a best of seven heaven or ta- heads or tails to see if he'll actually do it. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the greatest thing in this whole episode, the one, the whole office is really excited to watch it, Right. Right. Um, Because obviously they didn't work as hard as Michael, but they were, you know. They're all in it. You know, Pam and Jim have special connections to it. Uh, 
you know, but Pam is like getting the troops together. She's like, look, we cannot laugh at this. Right. Apparently, like a couple of years before, he had screened a version of it and it went terribly. I see. So, uh, yeah, so that, so Pam's like, all right, we cannot lose, we cannot laugh, basically. But so during this coin flipping scene uh, is the first time we see some dissent amongst the ranks, namely Holly seems to not quite get what Mike is going for. Right, because she wasn't in the room. Like, because Michael had gone to go get Holly. Right, right. And so he wasn't in the room. Yeah. Or she wasn't in the room. I mean, honestly, too, I mean, we're going to talk about the Todd Packer episode after this, but, like, both episodes are kind of like Holly dropping some truth bombs, right? Yeah, no, no, yeah. And it's definitely, like, getting getting him ready to, like, really do some shit, you know? Yeah, like, like to be a okay. grown-up. Yeah, it's, it's, time to, it's time to be a grown-up. You motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> Pretty much is, is how this goes. Yeah. Um, but surprise, surprise, the seven-time coin flip lands so that Michael Scarn has to take the case with his assistant. Um, right. Do they give Dwight's character a name? I forget. Um, it, was, it had to be Samuel L. Chang, unless he re- renamed the... Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember seeing his... Uh, an, I don't remember a name for him. Uh, oh yeah, no. According to this page, it is Samuel L. Chang. You must have just called him Sam a lot, though. Right. And so this is an interesting like look at Dwight that he knows how Michael sees him in the movie yeah. and right. still does the same character. Well, kind of. He makes his own artistic interpretation of how the character should right. be represented. Okay, so it's three years of writing, one shooting, four reshooting, and two years editing. Yeah, one shooting, four reshooting. That's crazy. Um, Yeah, so Dwight decides to play Samuel Chang as a robot butler. Right. That Uh, Michael forgets is a robot completely. Yeah. Um, The president calls him in, the coin flip goes, so Michael and... Uh, Sam go off on this adventure and they figure out the well so they realize that the bad guy is golden face right well they know like like that's well, how Samuel yeah. Chang gets him out of bed as he's like look it's golden face. Um, so the, the so for whatever reason the only way that Skarn can go to this game is to get gold medal at a ice skating race right yeah they they allow one civilian amateur yeah. to participate. Right. And so he goes to Creed, who is this like hockey shaman, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's all doing this, you know, like teaching him to mop the floor. Like I felt, I feel like he just studied Mighty Ducks for like a year before he wrote this scene. Yeah. And of uh, course, he's got like a montage because it's Michael Scott and all great movies have montages. Yeah. Uh, Creed plays Cherokee Jack. Cherokee Jack, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently, so again, it's really Steve Carell skating, but I don't know if it's him doing all the slap shots at that point. I mean, he's supposed to be a very good hockey player and ice skater. Is he? Like, yeah, I know he's a good ice skater, but I guess, like, why would he be good? He must play hockey, so. Well, yeah, or, you know, he just ice skates a lot. But I think I, I think I read somewhere that all the times he's playing hockey, it actually might have been Greg who said this, every time you see him playing hockey, it's actually Steve Carell. Got it. Okay. Which is, like, twice. Yeah. But um, yeah, eventually he, he's there. He gets up to snuff, so he gets to his race. Mm-hmm. Only three participants, Golden Face, Michael right. Scarn, and um, Oscar. To, yeah, I don't think they gave him a name. No. Just Skater number one. Right. It's a goal. Like, so like 
Ryan's doing the whole thing. He's like, ready, set, and then like Jim pops out his golden face, like, die. Yeah. So they end up in this very slow uh, little shootout on this. They're like two feet from each other, if that. So they never hit each other. Surprisingly, no other casualties during it. Yeah, you forgot to kill me. Yeah. Um, But we find out that Goldenface's goal is to only slow him down. And we turn around and skater number one has won the gold medal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Mike promptly murders with an American flag. And what a dark twist, right? And like everybody in the room, that was the point. Everybody in the room feels very uncomfortable watching right. Michael choke out Oscar to death. But like, right, well, was- my, my, maybe it's just me. Like, like, is this some like of Michael's inner racism coming out that he chokes a Mexican with an American flag? Like, wow, I've always yeah. kind of felt that way that he was, because he always talks about, you know, Oscar's Mexicanity. Yeah. And so even when I first watched it, I'm like, I feel like that's a jab at Oscar Mexico right here using the American flag. Yeah, that's that's rough. Um, there's, there's no other reason to use it. Well, like, you know, there's like a pseudo Olympic vibe that's going on. So like, I feel like that, you know, like why like a gold medal that you wear, right? Like how many places do that? And like iconically, it's always the Olympics. So like maybe that's why he had a flag handy. Maybe I mean yeah, or you could. It would have made more sense that he would just use the metal around his neck, right? Like come from behind him and grab him and choke him out. But yeah, but I mean it's a very intense scene. It's it's tough, uh, and also too not for nothing. But Scarn also is like a government agent. Yeah, don't they have resources to have positioned him to be number one as opposed to <laughs> allowing his license to kill to murder this innocent bystander? One would, one would think, one would think, but you know, it's a Michael movie. Yeah, so he dies. I guess uh, Scarn was number two, so he gets to go in his stead. Right, and like before, before this happens, um, we see Golden. It's like the the appearance of Jim as Golden Face. Yeah, and he's got the. Um, people under the ice rink which well i mean when i don't know when the hollywood curling club started but this might have actually been taken there because there are some curling stones in the uh you know in in the scene so maybe maybe that maybe that's where they came from because i was kind of wondered about that like where did these curling stones come from yeah 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 because yeah when this episode came out is when i was really like curling a lot so it's like, oh, super happy to see it. I'm like, yay. Yeah. Uh, but, but we get this yeah. range-worthy line that you know Michael wrote. He's like, because someone asked him about Scarn, asked um, Golden Face about Scarn. He's like, I'm going to dig up his dead wife and hump her real good. <laughs> oh, my God. It's and the terrific. delivery is just yeah. so hammy. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah then we get like a quick cutaway of jim and that's a really funny part too like when the episode cuts away real quick the employees give him like they're really fast like yeah like what the fuck kind of look (laughs) and then jim says not a big fan of all the writing and another thing like we see michael um during his montage yeah working on his bowflex right so do you think that he bought the bowflex for the movie oh no i don't think so no, he just used no. it. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to get fit, you know. And so then we like, he's looking for something and, or, or Dwight's looking for something. It's like, finds Jasmine Winsong at the hippest jazz club in town. At the Funky Cat. The Funky Cat, which of course it would be a cat since yeah, it's jazz. You that's know. right. 
Um, so yeah, she's like singing a tune or something and, mm. uh, Michael records it and plays it backwards and apparently With a big button that says yeah. backwards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and apparently it's just like a super clear mm. phrasing saying the hostages are under the stadium. Right. It, what I love is, so whenever they go to these characters that haven't been in the show for a while, like Jan or a Karen or whatever, uh, like when they go to Jan, you could tell she's trying to run. Like she's like messing with her keys. Like, like you can tell she's trying to keep it together, but she's also kind of panicked that like this video finally surfaced. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Right. The kind of way like where she is like right outside of a store. Right. Right. She's like panicking with her like remote on her car keys. Yeah, She's like, Oh my God. I never thought, I mean, not for nothing, but from our understanding of her relationship with Michael, there are more compromising videos that exist out there than her weird fucking jazz singing because they used to record would, sessions, right? Jay is the kind of person who would rather have a sex tape come out than a Michael Scott movie come out. I mean, that seems apparent, but that's what I'm saying in terms of society. I think uh, hey, sex, sex, sex tapes make you famous now, so... Well, it depends. Depends where you were at this famous spectrum. If you were kind of famous, then I think that's true. I think if you were a disgraced executive of a Eastern American paper company that may just kind <laughs> of regional Northeast yeah. regional paper company. Yeah. That may just get lost in like the community section out of an adult website. Right. So he gets, or she gets shot by, um, Troy, Troy. That's his name. Right. Troy like a- L undercook. <laughs> um, yeah. With a blow dart pegs her right in the throat. Um, she dies, so she's not able to give Scarn any new information. Uh, we cut back, however, to Golden Face, who is like, okay, I need to make sure that everybody knows that I'm for real. Right. And he steps in front of Toby, who is there, and he's bound. And very dramatically, Toby closes his eyes, knowing his fate. And we are treated with like eight replays, different angles of uh toby's head exploding right which was far and away the most expensive shot and apparently they actually did the like a practical effect there in like when they were shooting the episode they had two molds of his face that they like blew up yeah the faces look pretty good like obviously they're fake but they're it's clear that they were supposed to look like toby right and yeah and then like yeah you see all like the the foam and paper and all that (laughs) jazz falling apart which is uh right when it first i don't know why it's probably is it but like for whatever reason, when I saw it explode, even now I'm like, that looks like he just put like red cake inside of it because yeah. it looks yeah. like cake coming out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it happens a little later, but I got to say it before I forget. But Jim makes a great face in this set here when, um, you know, it's revealed that he killed Toby. Right. And Sparn goes, that's okay. He was a, <laughs> he was like an animal rapist. Or he was an animal rapist. Yeah. And then, and then she, Jim just goes like, you know, like he makes one of these like that's disgusting kind of face. Right. Because what, what I do like about this is that you can, um, they, they do a good job of, of showing the stuff that they saw get shot. Yeah. And then the stuff that either Michael shot with other people or shot at his condo or whatever. So there's some really good reactions in there about, right. um, you know, you know, how, how this would have really gone. Cause yeah. there's a lot of stuff they wouldn't have seen either, you know? Right. Um, what I wondered too, though, was like, was golden face scripted to make that like <laughs> disgusted scowl or was that just like a, 
a gym thing because he didn't realize what the line was going to be. Well, right. Well, that's definitely a gym thing because you kind of see it later on where Dwight's talking to him and he makes it makes him say it like four times. Right. He's like he like Dwight delivers this really expressive line like it's over Golden Face and Jim's like what? It's yeah. over what? <laughs> you know, just how Jim would do it. Yeah. Um, so let's hear about six different times, yada yada. So at that moment, uh Skarn and Chang show up. Um this is like when it's properly revealed how the all-star hockey game is going to get attacked. Right. It's in the puck. That's right. Which it's, I recognize two of the three references. Cause he, there's this like thing in the puck where he like cuts in himself doing romantic things with his wife. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know exactly what it, I recognize the first one. The second one was definitely Armageddon with, right. uh, Batfleck and uh oh what's her name? Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler and the, the yeah. cookies. Yeah. Uh so I I, I love the I I love Armageddon. It's an all time favorite. It's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it, so it's much a fun. great movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean so I just watched Ocean's Eight this morning. Oh, uh, how was it? You know, it was a fun movie. That's what everyone's saying. It's like it's light, it's breezy, it's yeah, it was better like nice than Ocean's Thirteen. Yeah, I'll give that hundred percent. Also, uh, and Armageddon, same thing. It's just it's just nice to see some fun movies sometimes. Yeah, it's like screw si- screw science. We don't need no stinking science here. No need. We have uh, human civilian drillers who can just go to space in two weeks. That's fine. Right. 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 Yeah. One of them happens to be Owen Wilson. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> He's a um, cowboy. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, like, apparently he gets beat up because he wakes up, or, or Mike, or Michael Scarn gets beat up because he wakes up in a hospital bed with sexy nurse Helene. Right. It's like, oh, God, from Pam, which is pretty funny. Oh, well, okay. No, so Scarn says he'll never forgive Golden Face for murdering his wife, and then they get shot, apparently. Uh, okay. So they're good shot. Right. But yeah, sexy nurse Helene, and then proceeds to bang him we don't see it but it's heavily implied with the right, heart it's, monitor like i mean i don't know exactly what like heart rates mean your heart's about to explode but it got to have been way up there yeah right I, yeah i don't know what like the threshold is before you're like okay this person's having some cardiac problems um but we definitely got the implication that his blood was a flowing in probably right. one particular direction to his scar let's see uh babumcha that's okay. Some, someone out there listening will laugh, I promise. The tachycardia is over 100 BPM. So now we just need a screenshot of what was happening. <laughs> um, so Scarn is like defeated and goes into a local pub where we see Andy. Who and plays, yeah, yeah. He's like a New England bartender. Yeah, and this is definitely like season three because Karen's here too. Right. Um, yeah, I imagine it probably happened right after the merger, right? Right. Branch closing happened. Um, yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking wrong. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, but Karen and Andy were there for the entire season. So for, for pretty much all season three. So there's a good swath of time in there where they could have done stuff. Yeah. It just would have had to have happened when they came back to Pennsylvania. Though, cause, you know. Right. According to our buddy, uh, one of the patrons is Gino from Vance Refrigeration, played by Lee Eisenberg. 
Hmm. And Dan Gower, Gore, who uh, co-created Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Michael Schuer. Those are the other patrons, which is a great show, and I'm super excited. It's on NBC. Yeah, we just started it. I think we're it's three so episodes in. It's pretty good, though. It's pretty good. It's so good. It's so good. We've been watching a lot of true crime stuff. So oh, nice. We're all very depressed in my household. <laughs> so we've been watching The Punisher, so we've been depressed as well. Is that the first time you're watching it? Yeah. I, I just finished it. With my commutes, I've been able to watch a lot more TV on the bus now. Mm-hmm. I dug it. It was great. So it's, it's really good, but it is very depressing. <laughs> oh, my God. And let me tell you, because right after that, we watched Jessica Jones season two. And um, the violence factor in The Punisher, like it, it's intense. Yeah. Specifically so after immediately watching another Marvel TV show and being like, oh, the violence in this show is handled very differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Both, um, both good if you haven't watched them. Just both good. So he walks in, all these people are there. Then we get uh, babe number one, which is Karen, um, asks Karen if they want to bang. <laughs> right. Well, no, he, uh, so Andy, because the TV doesn't Jimmy, work. I think is what is the, the Billy. Name, Billy. Yeah. So he's pissed off because he pays 30 bucks a month for the satellite. What's a who's it? Yeah. He can't even get the game. And then, like, he just, he doesn't even make it. He just pulls a drink from under the bar. Like, those women sent it over for the bachelorette party. That's right. And it's like, he goes up there, and Karen is all just like, hey, big boy, have you ever banged an entire bachelorette party? Yeah, then a quick cut to Karen. (laughs) What? Why are you singling out my line? Yeah, yeah. Um, So... So for whatever reason, so I guess Billy knows Skarn um, and he sees that Skarn is upset. So to cheer Skarn up, he decides to play a special tune from the jukebox called the Skarn. Right. Um, so warehouse workers, including Patch, Madge, mm-hmm. uh, all the ladies at this table, they all get up and they do this very genre appropriate, weird line dance thing that was <laughs> choreographed so... by, yeah, like a six-year-old. I got- I don't even, I'm trying to think where, oh, Men in Black. I bet you that's where that, that inspiration came from because of the music video. Oh, I remember that music video. I, okay, listen, nobody judge me, okay? <laughs> I was very young. And when my, my folks were together, my dad's side of the family had big Christmas parties. And the different gendered cousins and such would do a performance of some type. I happened to be the oldest cousin at the ripe age of 11. And I was tasked with creating what the boys would do for our talent. <laughs> At the time, the Spice Girls were very big. So that's what all the um, girls did. Tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Exactly. I've heard that song a lot. I'm sure everybody <laughs> has, to be fair, though. Um, so this, the Men in Black song came out by Will Smith. Um, so mm-hmm. I choreographed a dance <laughs> <laughs> based on that song that we all performed wearing black T-shirts and black pants because we were the Men in Black. And then my one cousin, uh, who didn't want to dance, showed up in a Darth Vader helmet because that was the only alien mask we had access to. And he's not even an alien. Um, and then we shot him at the end of our song. That was our, <laughs> that was our talent. So there you go. I'll tell you, my wife will listen to this, and she's never even heard that before. So. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. All so right, so um, like my, uh, Jim loses it. Like yeah. He can't take any more, starts laughing. Michael well, gets pa- Packer says something, right? He gets oh, up and if, if, drunk. Uh, yeah, he's drunk. He's like, if um, doing the scarn is gay. Yeah, then then I'm the biggest queer ever, or something like that. But a sentence you could not say today. 
No. Also, in general, kind of weird for Packer to say. Like, obviously, Michael wrote it and then gave the script to Packer. Packer does not seem like the guy who is comfortable enough with his own sexuality to read that line, even if his close friend gave him that line to say, you know? Right. A little out of character, I think, but Mm -hmm. still funny. And it is what causes Jim to break. Right. He he laughs and Michael, uh, you know, not wanting to repeat the last time's viewing with the the laughter and such, he turns off and walks away. Mm -hmm. It's not ready, basically. He's going to... Right, it's not ready. Yeah. Yeah, so that is a big thing um, that happens. Like, that happens, and he's talking to Holly about it. And I, this is like a small moment, but a big moment. And I think just as much for fan service as Threat Level Midnight is, is this piece hmm. where we understand that Holly gets Michael. And my, she can talk to Michael more than anybody else. Granted, he does like color pain the ass and runs out and all that stuff. But still, it's different with her. And you can tell that like, because in this episode and the next episode, we see the Holly is good enough for Michael. Like right. sort of what was alluded on the rooftop a couple episodes ago. Yeah. It's hammered home that this is the right person for him. Right. <clears throat> um, so eventually Mike decides to go watch the movie with his friends, right? Right. Jim does kind of save it actually at the, the stop. He says, right. I forget what he says, but you know, Mike is on board. It's actually Holly's response. Is that what causes Michael to turn it off? After this little blowout, he goes right. back to the conference room and plays a movie for everybody else. And Holly shows up again a little. Right. And so in Holly not being there, like he, there's this moment where he's watching it and he's super proud of it. And I guess realizes that she's not there. Like she, he looks at her chair, like very, it's, it's a very noticeable turn. Right. And he realizes that like having her there is way more important than the movie. Right. That's right. And so he, like, she had come out to watch it, and like, he gets him, and they start laughing, and everyone starts having fun. Um, yeah, because like he tries to like put in little tidbits, like, uh, so at the hockey game in the movie, apparently it was an actual hockey game where a local team was playing for the championship, and they, they were going to get into the state playoffs, like right. undefeated season or something, and they got disqualified because because of he this. showed up on ice right, and he kept like messing with them or whatever. Which I don't really get, like. I don't know I why think, that would disqualify him. Well, because I wonder if he was like wearing one of their jerseys. No, he was wearing the that All Star jersey thing, right? Yes. Because you see it where he's wearing blue, and everyone's like, I think the other two teams are in black and white. Right, right. Or some other very dark, maybe a dark green, like a very dark color. Yeah. Well, I wonder too, maybe then if the because uh, we'll assume that the Pennsylvania team that got disqualified was the home team. So I wonder yeah. if the away team like accused the home team of like this guy like is with you guys and you're just trying to mess us up or whatever, you know, I don't know either way. Maybe, but it just seems like it's a weird yeah. thing to do. Uh, because at least happens in, I'm not a big sports guy either way. I know sometimes it's like the responsibility of the home team to create a space that is like playable and under certain conditions or whatever. So maybe, maybe that's, that's in the bylaws. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so so a bunch of stuff happens. Uh, he's trying to say all that stuff. We find out the Cherokee Jack was killed because uh, you know he shows up as a ghost. Yeah, which we don't see. It just happens, no. right? Like that's yeah. what I was trying to remember. I was work like doing this. I'm like, did he? Uh, did, did he get killed? <laughs> I guess he got killed off screen. 
Um, but at some point, though, Holly kind of is uh, hovering outside and he goes out. And as you said, he kind of has this revelation and says, no, it's a bad movie, but I want you there. And she comes in and it's all nice. and Right. Really movie. nice scene. And in the background, we hear like my, uh, Jim talking to Pam as Golden Face. Like, I, uh, you know, I worked at a gold factory and all the boss that cared about was money. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, if you're printing gold, you have plenty of money. Yeah, that's true. Um, so Scarn eventually wins the trophy. Right, and knocks the puck into space, which bounces off a satellite, which fixes Andy's TV reception, which then lands in Golden Face's lap. Right, like while he's sitting outside in a backyard counting money. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess it, it kills him or whatever. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, sh- President calls him up. He's like, Scarn, I need your help. He's like, yeah, okay. And then they start asking questions and... Yeah, it just keeps kind of going from there. Well, and so one thing we didn't touch on is that the president early on in this movie ends up being a bad guy. Right. Working with Golden Face for insurance money or something Mm. stupid. Um, That never gets resolved. So this phone call later gets questioned by Kevin being like, isn't he a bad guy? And then, I don't know, Dwight or Andy or someone's trying to like give it like, he's like, oh, no, he's doing it to capture him or whatever. But Michael's like, no, he's just being an idiot. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, not a lot really happens because it is, it's sort of a weird clip show, like in a yeah. lot of respects. Like there's one sort of plot point, which is Michael coming to terms that, look, this movie is terrible. Right. Um, but uh, yeah. So what'd you think of it? You know, I, uh, like you said, I think the first time I saw it, it was like, it was crazy. You know, it's like a, it was like a crossover episode, you know? Right. Um, so, and I've watched it a bunch of times since, and I, I like it. But I mean, you know, like you said, it is what it is. It's nothing like that has meat to it. So right. I gave it like three point two out of four animal rapists. <laughs> uh, you know, I th- this is actually one of the highest rated episodes I've done. Wow! So I'll, I'll give you the score, then I'll tell you why. So I gave it four point seven five out of five banging corpses. Okay. So, like, the thing with this episode is, is it's total fan service and it's done really well. Uh-huh. Like, it's one of those things where, you know, you've, you've watched it a bunch of times and you still enjoy it. You know, there, there's certain fan service episodes that are really great when they happen but really don't hold up. Right. This one does because it is such a, it's such a true depiction of what this movie would have been. Like, it's not like some crazy movie. It is exactly what we would think that Michael Scott would do. And it just, and it's cool getting the callbacks to like Karen and Pam. And you sort of see like the history of the show again, the changes in Michael. And so I really like it. It's not like a great episode in terms of like, well, scripting, writing, I think is really good because, well, even acting, because the actors who are normally good actors have to act very terribly. And I don't know if that's easy. Like, I have no idea. I've always wondered for actors, like, is it easy or hard to play a bad actor? Right. Right. And like, and in a way too, where like, it doesn't seem like you're just pretending to be a bad actor. Right. It feels natural. It feels like, like the dialogue, like the way they're talking is stilted. I mean, it's very much people like trying to act who don't know what they're doing. But I, so I really like this episode. You know, it's just that, it's it's the right type of fan service, in my opinion. All right, that's fine. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's Threat Level Midnight. Next up, Todd Packer. Um, 
Season 7, Episode 17, directed by Randall Einhorn and written by Emily Gillett. Amelie? I think that's right. I, have I, am, I did not realize how bad I was with names until I started doing this podcast. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know how many times you got to call people by their last name, you know? Well, it's, well, but even like, yeah, like non-traditional spellings of names, like just screw me. But, yeah. but this is a great cold open where Dwight, you know, because we know he's got a fallout shelter, is eating the things that are expiring. Yeah. Um, it, he's talking about how like, look, you know, you're gonna, I won't help you because you laughed at me. Jim will be the king's jester. Pam, I think it's sold into prostitution or slavery. slavery Meredith yeah. will do okay for whatever right. reason. And then, yeah. and then he says something about like how this could happen soon. And Jim just latches on to it. So it could happen as soon as a month, two months. I can see that. I can see that. And what's funny is like after the second or third time, Pam just like looks at Jim Gives him, give him a kiss and has this face, look on her face like, well, I'm not going to see him for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then it goes on and we find out it's months, then years. And by the end of it, like he's saying months, but in hundreds, like 438 months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Dwight doesn't get it. Not, not a big bad thing, but just as a note, an earlier episode where I think it's the, the fighting episode. And... Um, Jim says, you know, do you think robots can take over or something like that? And uh, Dwight says, well, the way they're programmed. And like immediately he catches on. So there's a big difference here because Dwight presumably gets stuck there for hours. Right. Jim just goes number by number. <laughs> but um, Dwight Walls is also the kind of person to be like, yep, that's possible. Yeah, yeah. So here we go. Todd Packer shows up in the office and um, we find out he might want to come off the road oh yeah he's trying to come off the road yeah is what it is um he says that he is a bit of a womanizer which is a surprise i think to a lot of the audience watching <laughs> we um, have no clue he was a womanizer yeah uh but really the real reason is apparently he has some bumps on his ding dong yeah some love bumps on his ding dong yeah so uh he thinks maybe it's time to rein it in right um so he, he's going to meet with holly who i guess is going to do like a I'm basically like an interview. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which granted, I get, I mean, I, I don't would, know how this structure would be here. So like, does he have to interview for a job? I mean, can't he just sit, ask Tallahassee to like, Hey, I want to be stationed in um, Scranton now. The only thing would be that like, is there enough clients to go around? Yeah. I mean, I'm figuring he's just bringing in his, his clients. And he just won't be visiting them as much. Yeah, I um, guess so. But uh, when, when I was a freelancer at my last job and I got hired to full-time doing the exact same responsibilities I had to interview too. So it must be like a... Well, I mean, you always have to interview for a job, but like only if your job changes. Or if your job is a murderer or assassin. <laughs> but you could just do that. Yeah, that's true. It's true. No, no resume needed. But, Maybe. but Michael tells Holly when they're going, he's like, look, he's, he's at his funniest after about five shots. And you've had five shots. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so they go. And uh, I mean, Holly's interview is not much. Apparently, he's got very good sales. And Michael obviously speaks very highly of him. And that seems to be about it. So they're in there for like 40 seconds, it really feels like. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things where, I mean, not 
not knowing if, I mean, obviously he's been doing this for a long time. So he's got good sales, got probably a good amount of people under him, so to speak. Um, And the manager of the most successful branch of the company says he's a good salesman. You know, you would, she she would have a hard time not hiring him is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, So it's revealed to the whole office that Packer's making this move and people, specifically Jim and Dwight, are very verbally against it. Right. so, so, but so this funny thing happens because Kevin's excited for it, and whether or not he's right. putting it on a face or not isn't one hundred percent clear. Later on, it's clearer when he's doing it, but he might actually be excited, right? Because uh, he gets, if you recall, when Ryan was a big shot corporate guy, Kevin just seems to be like to be around cool, successful people based on whatever his barometer is for that kind of thing, right? So Packer seems to fit that mold in this instance, mm-hmm. but. Holly says the transfer has been approved and everybody's like, are you sure? Why? And then Kevin goes, it seems like some of you don't understand what the word approved. And then his little talking head says he doesn't have a lot of patience for stupidity. So (laughs) it's great. Um, So, right. This is obviously like the, the crux of the whole episode here. Right. It causes uh, Dwight to have to move because apparently that was Packer's old desk, which we actually learned during that, uh, the secret mystery thing in Michael's office episode. Uh, Cause Michael mentions that when he's sitting out there with them. Right. Um, is this the one where Aaron and Gabe were late? Cause Gabe fell in the shower. Uh, is that what that was? Yeah. They don't like, say I, why he fell in the shower. And I, I almost feel like for an instant, we're supposed to think it's like something like intimate, <laughs> but then the way she's so angry about it, it seems like maybe he's just clumsy. Right. Yeah, and so Pam had bought her a new computer. Right. Um, which, a you know, that's cool. Yeah. You know, it's a I'm nice not, iMac. It seems like a pain in the butt to have your receptionist have a Mac OS computer and everybody <laughs> else have a PC because, like, I don't know, are they paying for Microsoft Office Suite licenses for that Mac? I mean, probably. I mean, I know that most against buying a new computer for Andy, right? So I'm just like curious, like who in that office now that we know that there's no IT guy, right? Yeah, like who's gonna run that crap? I had an only Mac at my last office too, and it was terrible because <laughs> like no one knew. They're like, "Why is the X button on the other side of the screen?" Stupid. Well, and one thing that like I thought about is um, it would make sense for everybody, well, at least all the salespeople to have laptops. So it was like, it's something I never thought about. Like, why don't they have laptops instead of desktops? Right. It would make sense, you know, have your presentations, everything ready, go to your client, plug in, you know, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. My wife works at an office where they have laptops that sit in a dock. Right. That's how, that's how my office is as well. That that seems like a smart way to go. But, um, so Aaron has this new computer. Um, and that is like our B storyline basically. Right. And so, yeah. And what kind of starts up the Jim and Dwight thing is Dwight or dot, well, Dwight gets kicked by Michael to the annex, to the annex in favor of Packer. That's right. Even though Dwight's been at that desk for 10 years. So do, do we assume he has been at that desk ever since he started? Well, so I'm like rewatching earlier episodes or whatever. And in the first episode, Michael says he's been regional manager for four years. Um, And I'm trying to think of any other years we learn from the other people. Because if, if it is, that means that 
why would have been at Dunder Mifflin for three years before the show starts? Which seems a, which seems about right. Right, because that means like he was one of Michael's first. For yeah, first hire. He, may, he might have been his first hire. Well, because we also know Creed was managed by Ed Truck also. Right. Um, so Creed has been there for a long time. But then I also wonder, did Creed work with Michael in that capacity? Then? Oh, yeah. Boston, yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like Creed watched Michael become a boss. Um, yeah, because the way that it seems is like everybody else in the office, aside from Creed, started after Michael became regional manager. Uh, well, I mean, Stanley because- and Phyllis were under Ed Truck. We know this. Oh, were they also? Yeah, okay. yeah, we, we we know that. Um, Meredith, died, we don't really know about. Pam, I think, was hired by Michael. Yeah. I also don't know who started first, Pam or Jim, because Depends in those on early, the episode. Yeah, they kind of switch it up. Um, anyways, why, so I say all that because if Todd's saying he was there for 12 years, it also sounds like maybe Todd was, like, so was he, he was at that desk before he became a road rep? Is that our understanding? Yeah. Yeah. Which means he's been a road rep for at least seven years, right? At if least, he, yeah. Well, at he's least at that desk for 12. Well, well we, we assume that when... I mean, has he been working there for like over 20 years? I would say probably at least 15. Because Michael hasn't. Although I guess that's what they're celebrating, right? During In the, season five was his 15th, 15th year. year. Yeah, so this is like year 17 for him. Mm. I mean, also too... We probably shouldn't overanalyze too much, right? Because they just make stuff up on the fly sometimes. <laughs> right. And so I wonder if like, you know, could it could have been a thing where maybe they both went for the management position. They gave it to Michael. Yeah, Packer was like, screw it. I'll just go on the road. Right. Yeah, that could be. Because he couldn't. Because we know the contempt that Packer has for Michael. So maybe it was one of those things where like he couldn't handle being under him. And you know, seniority, so he was like, screw it, I'm out. Yeah, they don't really cover like the, the realness of Michael and Packer's relationship during the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say the UK office addresses it directly at some point. Like at some point, David Brent does confront Chris Finch, who are the, uh, you know, that's the time mm-hmm. Packer over there, by saying right. like, we're always a dick to me, man. <laughs> but Michael never gets that in this show. So part of me wonders though, like, are they really friends? Todd is just a jerk to everybody. Right. And Mike, but yeah, Michael's got that weird connection to him. It's bizarre. Yeah. Well, and Todd too, doesn't really seem to be taking advantage of him. Sometimes he makes Michael the butt of some jokes, but doesn't really seem like he's making Michael do things for his own end. Aside from like humor. Yeah. 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 He's just a dick to Michael. Yeah. Yeah. But they seem to like, like to go out. Yeah. No, it does. So I, I don't know. Um, anyway, so Dwight gets back there and they got this like little Zen garden thing. He's like, what are you trying to go here? Bull crap? And like just tosses it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and no one is happy no. that um, she's done this. Right. So like Jim and Dwight and Pam all kind of go back there. I think even oh, Meredith was there. Yeah. She's like, he's like, and Holly's like, you seem nice enough to me. I don't know what you're talking about. And he, they're like, oh, that's how they, that's how he gets you to take off your underwear. Right. She's like, Pam just starts nodding along and like pointing at Meredith. And she's like, why are you nodding? Right. Um, what are you referencing? Everything. Yeah. Cause Ryan says this thing, forget what it- you can't fire somebody just because you don't like them. 
And and Ryan says, yeah, this isn't the government. Right. Right. (laughs) Kelly just kind of like calls him on a shit, which is, which is good. I I think it's a good, good move on their part. Um, So now Holly though has like, now she's got, gets an inkling, right? Mm -hmm. Now she kind of knows. Whoops. Oh God. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, uh, all right. Sorry about that, everybody. We had some technical difficulties. J-Ray just died on us. Just died. You know, the laptop wasn't even plugged in. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doing great. Okay. So, uh, I don't even remember what I was saying. Uh, what was Ryan referencing? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you're just referencing everything, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, well, now we know. They've been married at this point. So, right. Kelly just can kind of see through Ryan's shit, which is nice because after you know, six plus years of him being a dick to her. <laughs> it's good that she can stand up for herself. Right. So like, air, or flashing back to the other thing, Andy's trying to watch this uh, boat thing. I cannot remember the name of the word for it. It's like a race or some, a schooner or something. Right. And, you know, his computer bugs out. And so uh, Aaron's like, hey, come watch it on mine. And he's all like, oh, this is a sick computer. Gwen Stefani has this computer. and Yeah, stupid. All this stuff. And um, so he's trying, he's working on Pam. Like, hey, where's my computer? Right. Because mine's terrible. Yeah. And all this stuff. And, um, you know, Pam kind of gives him the business. Like, yeah, I can't. Reception needed it. Uh, it's a one-person department. If I get you one, I have to do it for the whole department. Mm-hmm. It's not in the budget whatever and uh andy doesn't like that but you know and i don't know aaron feels bad aaron still has some nice thoughts about andy at this moment so right it's right probably awkward mm-hmm. um so we get a, a little scene in the um i don't know what you call that like the kitchenette area right yeah it's like in, like it's not quite in the break room but there's like a little table where we've seen a bunch of stuff happen through the mm-hmm. and a lot of people take a break there too so it's like right but um so Packer's there and they're asking if he's settling in okay or whatever. And, uh, but yeah, Todd starts to kind of be a little real around Holly for the first time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that uh, his daughter is a bitch. Right. Just like straight up. Like, and, and then, well, he says that and then Holly turns around and you can tell he's like, maybe I shouldn't have said this kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. He, he tries to like fix it. It's not a hundred percent. Right. And then he starts kind of going at Kevin who says like, uh, it makes a comment about reading, but then Todd says, I didn't know you could read. Oh, like, yeah. Like, he like he really just kind of loses it on him. Yeah. Like, he's just like, oh, um, you know. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, so, yeah, he just kind of loses it on Kevin. Like, you can't read and all this right. other stuff. And he's, but he's still trying to figure out how to... Um, like, be a do, team player or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Packer leaves and Dwight actually in this kind of uncharacteristic niceness, but probably for solidarity against Packer says, Kevin, you know, in sumo culture, he'd be a very promising up and cover. Right. And he gets like, it's almost seems like Kevin might've gotten teary eyed. It's like probably yeah. the nicest thing anybody's ever said to Kevin like that. Right. Yeah. Which is really nice. Um, so I mean, it's, it, it is a nice little moment there. He's yeah. doing that. Um, um, so and, and Andy switch. Yeah. And Pam is pissed. Like she like reams yeah. Andy out. Yeah, yeah. And um, what do you call it? So Andy like, well, so it's messed up. And I, I agree with Pam. She is like the authoritative person in that situation. Right, but it's not, it's, she should have said what she said. She just chose the wrong 
than you to say it in. That is something you take the person aside and like, no. look, you're being a dick. No, you put them up in front of everybody, public scrutiny, <laughs> and say, everybody look at Andy, the bag of dicks. <laughs> Different management styles, I guess, but whatever. Um, so let's see that happens. I mean, so we go back and forth between a lot of different, right. It's all kind of swirling back and forth, but like, I think one of the big pivotal things is Holly is up at reception. Yep. And, uh, Aaron asks her to take back Dwight's and farm. Right. She doesn't do like, doesn't do it, which during this whole fight thing between Michael and Holly is funny because Aaron never stops acting. Right. If you're like trying to grab it, but so Michael comes up to her and says, Hey, should I get stripe shaved into my head? Right. And at this point, the, the shines off the apple for her and Packer. Yeah. So she's like, no, you shouldn't. It was this Packer's idea? And Michael's not really sure what to do because his, you know, he just can't think about it straight. Right. You know? So he's like, Oh, you're just jealous because of, you know, pack your, or, you know, he asked if you're jealous that Packer's funnier than you. She's like, no, Packer's not funny. He's like, well, I'm not as funny as him. Yeah. So it's like this whole weird grading scale of who Holly perceives as funnier in terms of like all time. Right. And because Michael is like solid. He's not as funny as Packer. So Holly's really trying to break it down to explain how unfunny she finds. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have that scale. <laughs> but it was like, uh, Steve Martin is number one. And then it's Steve Martin. Like trying somebody, to put fingers up there. Somebody I didn't know who they were. Right. Um, and then uh, Todd. Finger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, uh, he still doesn't totally get it. But also during the scene, Aaron has to grab the ant farm that she has. Right, which is hilarious. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess the ants start eating each other or something. Like, yeah, she's like, oh, look, they're eating each other. And yeah. <laughs> um, so this, Michael doesn't really agree, though. Right, but she, like, drops some hardcore truth on him. Like, yeah. Packer's a jerk. Like, right. that's just all it is, right? And he's right. still, he still can't get it in his head that this is who Packer is. Right. right. But you can tell he's getting closer. And it's the only time that... Like, no one else, even though everyone else has tried to tell him this forever, right. Holly's the only one he'll listen to. Right. Um, but so that conversation kind of ends without Michael really still agreeing with Holly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut so, back. So, yeah, Jim and Dwight have decided they've got to do something about Top Packer. Yeah. And so uh, Jim, they're, like, talking about, oh, oh no, what happens is Dwight brings out a cup of hot chocolate with X-Lax in it. That's right. And... Um, Todd is just like not having any of it. Right. He's like, I'm good. No, thanks. I mean, hot chocolate. That's a weird thing to bring somebody, you know? I know. It's one thing like, hey, I got you some coffee. But hot chocolate's so intense, you know, like labor intensive. It's a a weird thing to bring. Yeah. I mean, I only drink hot chocolate. I don't really drink coffee. Uh, I just started this year. So there you go. But I mean, it's also established that pretty much everybody in this office drinks coffee. Right. Like it's weird to point this out. Right. But it's one of those things where, um, you know, with a, with coffee, it's generally always ready. Right. And we, for some reason, you have a red dot on your face. It's very bizarre. <laughs> it looks like a, snipe, a drunk sniper is trying to kill you. <laughs> um, 
I mean, so Batad's not having any of it. Jim has to pull Dwight aside, and they decide to form this alliance to right. get Todd out of there. Um, a lot of Dwight's ideas involve putting stuff in hot chocolate. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it would be one of those things where I think in both of their heads, if he was in the annex, it would be better. Right. If nothing else. Just right. because, well, for, for Jim, you know, he's not around uh, Pam, which, yeah. you know, that's, that's always a good thing, especially with someone like Packer. And Dwight wants his desk back. It's his yeah. desk. So Jim kind of off the, off the cuff has one idea. And I, we won't have to go through all of their ideas, but this one's great because it spawned this, a phrase that I said a lot in college. But <laughs> um, he's essentially like, you know, uh, well, we could pretend to be from the radio station. And tell Todd that there's a Justin Bieber concert nearby, Bieber. And uh, if he calls and, you know, we fake and we give him tickets or whatever and he goes and it'll be hilarious. Um, but Dwight, being as hip as he is, doesn't know who Justin Bieber is. And he says, who's Justice Bieber? Which is like one of the Dwight quotes, right? Like yeah. almost yeah. pretty much any top 10, like best Dwight lines, it's, this is on it. Right. Yeah. Like, this is right up there with, we need a new plague. I mean, this is yeah. like fantastic. Who is Justice right. Bieber? Yeah. <laughs> but do, Jim has this idea that they should um, jam his drawer so it can't open all the way. Yeah. And he's like, that's stupid. That, you know, he just kind of reams him out for it. And then Jim does it to Dwight just to show him how terrible it can be. Yeah. And of course, Dwight doesn't really understand that, that Jim did it, but it's fine. Right, right. Um, let's see. So Andy creates this weird mod system for the conference room. They're basically, right. what, five-minute modules, I guess? Right. So it's like... Right, he put up like a thing. He's like, "Oh, you do that?" Like you could tell, Pam is like kind of upset that he did it because she's got, she's like, doesn't know what to do with it. Well, part of me thought maybe she was impressed. She's like, "Oh wow, that's some initiative." Right, but it also makes her look bad because that's something yeah. the office admin should be doing. Right, like there should be a meeting like schedule somewhere for the conference room. Yeah, yeah. You know, Green, we don't see it ton of people come into the office you know to be pitched to but it does happen so you would need to be able to block that off right um so basically pam and andy have a bit of a, a confrontation here about how pam shouldn't have done what she did to him in front of everybody which i really like because i mean it's easy to think that it, like pam comes off as weak here but like pam gets in his grill like hardcore and I yeah. When she realizes what she did, she apologizes for that. Not what she said. It's just I did it in the wrong location. Kind of like we were talking about earlier. I don't I still don't agree. I mean, Andy did this thing in front of everybody, which was switching out the computers, you know. Right. Um but I mean in terms of like office niceties and like power and everything, like you should always strive to like rise above the person who did it. Just because this person did it in front of everybody doesn't mean you should ream them out in front of it. But that's what I'm saying. Andy had scorned Pam in front of everybody. Right, right. Well, for her to assert her place, even though she's not a manager, um, as like, I'm still the person that you go to for this right. thing. And she has to do it, right? She made up this job. She doesn't have a lot of responsibilities with it. So to have anybody really mess with it, this made up job she made, that's true. I mean, that is true. I mean, I that, that is a good point. She does have to defend her territory from yeah. the invaders. Yeah. I mean, so probably she did the right thing, but I would have stuck with my guns here and told Andy to get the step in. <laughs> uh, but either way, so they talk about it and they decide that if Andy's computer really breaks, full on breaks, 100%, maybe she could see what can be done. You would think as an electronics firm that Sabre would just have these like, oh, you need a new one, ship it. 
you know, I mean, that just seems to me like something like they have a partnership with someone, Dell, right? You know, like, yeah, you know, Dell computers work for Saber printers. You see it all the time, and it's one reason why like HP has their own printer brand, right? So they people will associate the two together, but uh, so yeah, you would think, but she she tells them that like, hey, look, if yours dies, I can get you a new one. Yeah. Um, so, so what would you do to kill a PC if you had to? Yeah, I mean, definitely it's tough because for whatever reason, how they do it, it doesn't seem to go through IT at all. So it's just like whatever to the point that it can't be used and they just get a new computer. I mean, th- I would also get all that spam stuff that he's doing, like all the pop-ups and shit and all the malware that's on there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a proper IT department could fix that. Right. It might be one of those things where the as bust, a business, the bustard in the CD drive is definitely going to do it. Yeah. I mean, it might be one of those things where as actually probably wouldn't yeah. because those CD drives tend to be self-contained units. Yeah. But then like also judging by how involved it is at all in this decision. Right. Yeah. Are they people who have spare parts like that? Well, I'm just saying that it wouldn't destroy the computer. It would destroy the CD drive, but it wouldn't just, you know, just because they tend to be self-contained units. Right. But maybe, you know, it's maybe it's maybe it's one of those things where what if it's spicy mustard? <laughs> but, but maybe it's set up to where if they need immediately, like they, they can just submit the PO right. instead of having to go through IT because you really can't have a salesperson without their computer. Yeah, you know, they sure. need email. They need all that stuff. And this, I mean, this is what, 2011. Yeah. So like corporate smartphones are just now becoming a thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ryan brings in the blue... Uh, the black bears in season four. Yeah. But still, you don't... I, well, at least when I was working, you didn't see a lot of, like, corporate-sanctioned smartphones until, like... I mean, that really was probably... Last four or five years. Yeah, right, right. Like, to have your, your company pay for your cell service because it's connected to your enterprise system, whatever. Right, well, and also, like, being able to, like you know, get Microsoft Exchange on your, you know, into your email on your phone, that kind of stuff. That's more recent. Right. Because, right. you know, people with security and all that crap. Yeah. Um, yeah. To me, I would just go get a big magnet and turn it on beside it. Well, that's fair too. Um, yeah, that's probably the way to do it. And that way, you know, no one could boot it and be like, oh, you know, you just did all this bad stuff and it's your fault it died. No, it just died. No. Right. I ran a systems checks and it says you have mustard in your sheet drive. So, so that's what he ends up doing Mm -hmm. Um, before that. But Andy and Pam are stopped to their meeting. Ryan has signed up some modules where he's jamming out. Right. We learned that he can play the saxophone, which is interesting. Well, he was holding a saxophone. He was holding a saxophone. That, that's a good point. He was holding a saxophone. (laughs) Um, also, what I thought was funny about that bit, though, is like he signed modules that weren't coinciding. He's like 6, 9, and 12. But if you look at it, it's very, um, like, like there's a bunch of different people in there. It's well, because that's what I wonder. Like, he had it for five minutes. Or like, he wanted to practice, right? But right. other people had signed up for modules in between. So his band has mm-hmm. to leave every 10 minutes or so to let someone else have the right. meeting. They can come back in. <laughs> um, so let's see. Um, blah, blah, blah. So Michael, well, Todd convinces Michael that he can change. They're meeting down. Yeah. He's like, don't give up on me and um, all that stuff. Just don't give up. You know, we're, I'll change. I've been out there for too long. I've forgotten what it's like to be in an office. Right. 
so this culminates in like a public apology to Kevin. Mm-hmm. So they go upstairs. And Kevin and- knows what's fucking coming. Like yeah. you can tell, like in this, especially here, you can just tell he is worried. Yeah. Yeah. Say the least he is worried. Well, part of me too feels like it's him still trying to put on this, like Todd's a cool guy and I'm a cool guy too thing. He's like, oh, Todd doesn't need to apologize. Like, we're just gently ribbing. Like, I can give it as good as I get. You get it as good as I give it. That kind of crap. Yeah. But um, so Todd does do like one of these backhanded apologies. Like, I'm sorry that you were offended by the things that I said, putting the blame on Kevin. Right. Kelly spots it immediately and runs out and says, this is the kind of apology that Ryan gives all the time. I love Ryan like under his breath. Sometimes you do overreact. Yeah. Um, So Todd. Uh, probably in a bit of an overstep, says you are skinny and a genius. Right. And so Michael, tr- Michael tries one more time to save save it. Yeah. He's like, I don't, uh, I don't remember what all it was, but it comes down to Angela loves pussycats and Packer loves Angel. Angel's like, don't do it. Yeah. But finally he says dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah, just trying to show that Packer is like one of the gang, you know, mm-hmm. they all share interests and stuff and it could be cool. Um, so that seems to be how that goes. And I guess everybody just has to live with it. Right. Well, you know, it's one of those things where, because people do have work, you know, they're like, all right, well, I gotta go make this call. And so it's one of those things that like keeps coming back around till it blows up badly. And so we see that, um, Pam did get Andy a new computer monitor. Um, the tower or tower. Right. But he also got it. She got him a, in a monitor, right? She got the like a widescreen monitor for him. Uh, so they, like they have like a file and some stickers, and right? Stuff. To like scuff it up to make it look used or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so eventually, you know, Andy doesn't want it. He also wants it to look nice. But I mean, honestly, it's about what's inside. So let's all take it easy. Right, right. It's like it's like, oh, maybe we could just say they're a knee freak. Yeah. And um, and I guess we could just wrap up that part of the storyline. He boots it on and it all works and it's nice and it's secret. Um, but Pam, in her <laughs> public reason for why this is happening. She so they found can, it in the corner of the, the warehouse. Yeah. So Daryl, who knows every inch of that, is able to kind of uh, negotiate three extra vacation days, which I didn't right. know the office administrator would have been responsible for. Again, well, maybe it's one of those things where she just doesn't log them. Yeah. Yeah, um, because so, I know a lot of bosses, at least in my experience, is a lot of bosses will be like, "Hey, I need to do this, but I don't need to take vacation time." They'll just be like, "Go." Right. You know, so maybe it's just one of those things where like it just doesn't get reported. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then Pam has a nice little talking head where she says she's full on corrupt, <laughs> which is great. I love that. It's like I'm full on corrupt. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's so good. It's it's a very different side of Pam. That, yeah. that, that is, comes out as her with this power and sort of abusing the power, which is not something we would have expected out of her kind of thing. Right. So back to our, our alliance here, the Anti-Packer Alliance, they have decided to pretend that they are from Tallahassee and to offer Packer a job down there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to be going well. And Packer seems to be believing it. And Dwight kind of goes off the script there and saying, visit Harry Potter world. It's supposed to be great. I would love to go to Harry Potter World, but it's expensive as fuck. Yeah, I mean, I've never been to Disney or any of that stuff, but I feel like uh, once Star Wars opens up, I'll have to bite the bullet and do that. 
Uh, well, we can talk about it afterwards because I can tell you how to save some money there. But there um, it is. There it is. Listen <laughs> to the next episode. But saving uh, <laughs> money on your vacation. But like Harry Potter World, because we were we went to Disney like two Januarys ago. Okay. And we, we had an extra day, you know, because my we were meeting my parents out there. It's what we did for Christmas that year. Was we we went to Disney instead of like getting each other gifts. Right. Um, and it was like one seventy five a person for one day. Like it was intense. It was like 350 bucks for the two of us to get in the door. Yeah, that makes sense. That's rough. Uh, so well, we also learned that Packer loves gators. Yeah. Michael comes in. He's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And uh, to, the, to the alliance. There. Yeah, to the alliance. And he's pissed. Yeah. And we, this is kind of how we end up where he goes into, like, he's in his office. And Packer comes in and tells him about it and yep. michael tries to tell him it's not real right and then well because Parker says even, we should go out tonight to drink or whatever right he's like is it all ball and chain yeah. uh and he actually i mean in all in all seriousness of all the things packer does this is really mild right he's like i gotta tell you this i wish i had someone had told me you know this about my wife but she's uptight and that's yeah. just like that's a step too far like you can say anything you want about anybody but you don't go after holly right yeah that is michael's line mm-hmm. um thank goodness for aaron right <laughs> verbally saying anything like that to michael because <laughs> she would have been fired yeah immediately. but uh but yeah and so he's like oh have fun in florida yep yep Packer packs up and heads out and uh i mean not for nothing right and like i don't know if he was going to drive the whole way down there but like less than a week he would have found out oh like the moment he gets there yeah um but he never comes back we find out what happens to him later but like it's never right until then but again it's one of those things where it's not like he doesn't have a job or had a job he worked i mean he's on the payroll right there's nothing i mean especially you know in florida just have him be a salesman in Florida. I mean, it's, and it's, you know, they're, they're, it, he's, it's one of those positions that isn't uh, like location tied, you right, know? Right. Yeah. Well, I wondered if there, and I guess, I don't know, internal conflicts or whatever, but like there's a saver office down there, obviously. Well, headquarters is there. So like, I don't know if like reps down there though would be like antsy that someone's like encroaching on there because it's all about commissions, you know? Right. And there's, there, yeah, there's no telling. I mean, they, I mean, if it's Florida, kind of grand. I'm not great at my my geography here, but they could probably. I think Tallahassee's up in the Panhandle. Get them on the road a bit. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, kind of in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? Yeah, that's why there's such great people down there. <laughs> Sorry if you're a listener in Tallahassee. I don't even know how you have a computer. <laughs> but yeah, he could always go back on the road, <laughs> right? You know, or something because Orlando isn't that far. Uh, you know, once you're down in Orlando, you can get to Tampa and yeah, it's like a three and a half hour drive to Orlando from Tallahassee. Well, look, before we end the episode, let's just, um, because next time we see Packer is when we go down to Tallahassee. Yeah, season eight. Yeah. Yeah. So what was he doing that whole time though? Was he working? Cause it also seems like he's coming in out of nowhere. It's not like he's being, he says or- something about him landing on his feet with a job at corporate. Like it's, a, it's a throwaway line and a talking head, but he's like, well, you know, Packer, he always lands on his feet. I, you know, Joe loves me. Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. So, like, he basically willed the prank into a truth. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's one of those days where Joe was like, well, 
I don't have the heart to tell him no. So right. yeah. <laughs> she just gave him a job. Doesn't seem like her though. He really must have charmed her with his way in there because Joe seems like a no nonsense. I mean, come on. He's a womanizer and you've seen the dude. He's not exactly attractive. This is not Timothy Oliphant here. That's true. That's true. Or Idris Elba or any other, you know, good looking men that have been on this show. Nick the IT guy. <laughs> he, he gets uh he gets Jess and New Girl for a while, so I didn't uh apparently I didn't watch that far. I stopped watching when Linda Cardellini came on. Who? Uh Jess's sister, I guess. Oh, the the model? Maybe. And not uh, because dark, it was bad, but dark because skin. well, plays her sister. I don't know. Not that dark. No, 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 no. Players, yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter. Anyways, it was just bummer because it was like part three episodes and I was like, Jesus. <laughs> Just get on with the funny. I don't need this story yeah, arc in my new get, girl. Get through it though, because yeah. it does. It was <laughs> me and my wife. We watched that show religiously until it. it went off the air. Got it. All right, I'll get there. But anyway, that's how where this episode ends up, which sets us up for something in season eight. Yep. You know. So, uh, what are you going to give this episode? Um. Yeah, this episode was fine. Uh, I was cracking up a lot on the bus when I was watching it again, but. Um, <laughs> As we're, as we're talking about it and stuff, yeah, just there's like a lot of stuff just to get to these moments between Michael and Holly, like you said, to establish where Michael is going to be. Right. And that Michael's going to be okay. Right. Um, so that's all good and stuff, but it's fine. So I think we're going to give it another 2.7 out of 5. Love my gators. <laughs> Uh, I gave this a lot higher, actually. Maybe I was just in a good mood today. Who knows? I think, you know what? That's what happened to me last show. I think I was in a great mood, and I gave those episodes really high <laughs> reviews. I gave it a four out of five shots. Hey. You know, nice. it's it's a good Michael Holly episode again. It's a good Pam episode. I like the Jim. I like the Jim Pam. Not Jim Pam. Jim Dwight Alliance. Yeah. You know, I think that's pretty funny. Uh, so, yeah, four out of five. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say, as a whole, I'm 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 surprised at how less down I am in these seasons as I thought I was going to be when we were still recording shit about you know season three, because I was pretty sure after season four I hate this show. Um, It's fine. It's totally acceptable. Well, uh, thanks for coming out. Please visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash broken jars. Uh, big shout out to all of our fans out there who send us email. You can email us at broken jars broadcasting at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. So please, uh, please come that. next time. Yeah. yeah. See you in two weeks. Later, guys. Bye.